Hello everyone. Today is Tuesday, April 28th. And I missed you all. So we are back with story time. And today, because I missed you and I've been away for a couple of weeks, I decided to do an extra story. Uh, one of my favorite, favorite topics uh, is learning and listening about angels, the story of angels. And so I am going to try my best to make sure I have a cool angel story uh, every day this week, okay? Because I just love to hear about them and it's pretty cool. This is a short poem that says, I walk with angels before me. I walk with angels behind me. I walk with angels above me. I walk with angels all around me, all around me. The title of this story is The Angels in Flames. King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon ruled a vast empire. He was rich, he was powerful, and he was dangerous. When he gave the order for his officials to come to a great ceremony, every one of them obeyed. They gathered on the wide plain outside the city and gazed in amazement at the sight that greeted them. There stood a huge golden statue, tall and menacing. Its metal eyes glinted fiercely in the sunlight. Its gleaming lips were set in a permanent frown. This was the God Nebuchadnezzar had made, the God of a proud and cruel empire. A herald stepped forward, people of all nations, all races, all languages. This ceremony will begin with the sound of trumpets and oboes with lyres and zithers and harps. Then when all the instruments join in, you must bow down to this gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Anyone who does not do so will be thrown in a blazing furnace. This fire is already burning. The music played. The people bowed down. They pressed their faces close to the ground, eager to smell the earth and not the bitter smoke that drifted over the plain. Except for three young men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The guards seized them at once and dragged them to the king. We will not worship your statue, they declared boldly. We are faithful to our own God. It may be that our God will save us from your blazing furnace and from your power. But even if he doesn't, we will not bow down to a lump of metal. King Nebuchadnezzar was furious. Make the fire seven times hotter, he cried. Tie these men up and throw them into the heart of the flames. Oh, whoa. He watched with grim delight as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego tumbled into the furnace. He was eager to hear the hissing and the sizzling as their flesh and their arrogance turned to ash. Then his smile faded. I, I see four men walking in the fire, he said anxiously. 
They are not tied up and they are not burning. And the fourth one, the fourth one, his voice faded away. Perhaps he'd been mistaken and there wasn't a fourth person. Perhaps it was just kind of pure golden. Maybe the, the flame that blazed from the wood of the incense But then he saw a face, kind, wise, unafraid. It must be an angel, he whispered. Suddenly he strode to the door of the furnace. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, come out. The three men emerged from the billowing smoke. They were completely unharmed. The angel flickered away. Nebuchadnezzar was humbled by what he had seen and by the unhesitating faith of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. May all the world praise your God, he declared. There is no other God who can rescue his faithful people like this. The end. And that is a story from the Bible about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Our next story I wanted to read because I know that there are many, many people who have asthma. And this is uh, a diagnosis that doesn't really matter how old you are. I know many people with asthma and I saw this really cool book and wanted to share it with you. This book is called Just Like You. Rory the Little Lion has asthma too. Just like you, Rory the Little Lion has asthma too. This is Rory the Little Lion. Rory is just like you. He has asthma too. Just like you, Rory can do all the things other little lions can do. And just like you, Rory can play and run. Just like you, Rory knows what it is like to have asthma. Asthma makes it hard to breathe. And when it is hard to breathe, Rory can't roar at all. All we know that roaring is something lions do or they love to do. When the doctor told Rory that he had asthma, he cried. Asthma's not fair, Rory said. Rory did not want to have asthma. What is asthma anyhow, Rory said. Asthma is a problem in your chest that makes it hard to breathe. It's like trying to breathe through little tiny straws. Asthma can be made worse by things like dust, by smells in the air, by working hard or sometimes even playing hard, and sometimes by things you eat and drink. Asthma usually does not go away, but if you take your medicine and stay away from the things that make your asthma worse, you can still run and you can still play hard and you can still roar. <laughs> Just like you, Rory has to stay away from certain things like flowers and dust, his mother's hairspray 
and he cannot eat some foods like eggs. These things make Rory's asthma worse. The things that make asthma worse can be different from everybody or for everybody. What makes your asthma worse? Just like you, Rory takes medicine for his asthma. Rory sometimes uses a little box. It's like a medicine machine. And this medicine machine has a funny name. It's called a nebulizer. Can you say that, nebulizer? Good job, good job. When Rory wears the nebulizer mask on his face, he pretends he is a jet pilot. Pretending makes taking the medicine fun. Other times, Rory uses a spacer to take his medicine. Spacers make taking asthma medicine easy once you get used to them. Just like Rory knows, he knows what to do when his asthma gets bad. He tells his mother or teacher or babysitter or another grown-up. And they help Rory beat asthma. Rory beat asthma and you can too. Roar! <laughs> this is an adorable little book. And I like it a lot because if you don't have asthma, it's a great way to learn about it. Because maybe you have a cousin that does or maybe you have a classmate or even a parent that has asthma. And you don't have to be afraid. It's always great to learn so that you know what to do and how to help just in case someone is in trouble or just in case they need a little help. This next book I loved. Um, some of you know that I have two daughters and although they are big girls now, they still love story time. And when they were little, um, the topic of teeth was a big deal. And I love this book because this one says, or the title of this book is Gus Loses a Tooth. And that was always a big deal in my house. Always, always a big deal. Gus loses a tooth. Have you ever lost any teeth? I bet some, sometimes it's fun and then sometimes it can be a little scary. My daughter, my youngest daughter, Naomi, every single time we took a road trip, she lost a tooth in the back seat. I can never figure it out. She was not afraid. She would let me know and get her little Kleenex and get some salt water. We'd have to stop at a gas station and get some warm water and some salt. And she'd gargle and she'd be just fine. It was the strangest thing. Gus loses a tooth. This tooth is loose. Look. Gus showed his friends. They all want one too. Gus needs a checkup. Oh, this tooth is loose. Ah, it'll fall out soon, said the dentist. And the next day, it did. Rory was biting into an apple and... Look, Mom! Look, Dad! His tooth was planted in the apple. Look, Goldie! He was so excited, he showed his pet goldfish. Gus has a plan. He sticks his tooth under his pillow 
and it's time for bed. <gasps> What's that? It must be the tooth fairy. The next morning, Gus was so excited. <gasps> Goldie, I'm rich. Gus reached under his pillow and found a dollar. He excitedly showed his pet goldfish. Thank you, Tooth Fairy. Dad, can we go to the pet store? Certainly, son. Dad was very excited about Gus earning money from the Tooth Fairy. I'm gonna get Goldie a friend. Gus used his dollar to purchase another goldfish for his pet Cody. The end. So there's Gus purchasing his other goldfish. Super cute. When I was little, I used to love to pull my own teeth out. I think I was a little afraid that my mom or dad would be a little too rough. Um, but it wasn't scary. It was pretty cool. So maybe that's where Naomi gets it from. I don't know. For our final story tonight, I am reading um, a very cool fable called The Lion and the Mouse. And fables are really, really cool because they always have a meaning or some kind of hidden message in the story. So I'll let you listen to this and you can tell me uh, what you think the message is in this story. On the vast plains of Africa lived a honey-colored mouse. She had no less than eight children, all constantly mewling to be fed. So she was always rushed off her little paws, looking for food. As soon as the sun set, the mouse would creep out of her hole, and if the coast was clear, she would set off in search of nibbles. She managed to bring home some tasty tidbits too, grains of corn and rice, sunflower seeds that had blown across the plain by the wind, and sometimes even grapes from the wild vines that grew in the dry soil. One night, the mice spied a traveler. He was walking along the dirt road, eating as he went. Crumbs fell from his hands as he broke bread and cheese to share with his dog. What a feast for my children, said the mouse to herself and she followed the traveler along the dusty path, picking up the crumbs. By dawn, she had strayed far from home. Suddenly realizing that the sun was about to rise, she panicked and started back. Before long, she found herself in front of a mountain, all covered in dry, golden yellow grass that blew around in the breeze. Was it wheat? Corn? Millet waiting to ripen? The mouse had a little nibble. Ah, the strange grass was tough to eat. She scampered farther up the mountain, wondering where on earth she was. Then she spied something caught in the billowing grass. A stray grain of corn. The mouse pounced and bit into it and a mouthful of strange grass came away between her teeth. All at once there was an earthquake. The mountain shook violently. The mouse tried to hold on to the golden yellow grass, but she was thrown off, only to be caught in a vice grip that threatened to crush her bones. 
razor sharp claws wrapped themselves around her, pressing into her fur and a loud roar made her ears ring. Two eyes as full as moons glowered at her from above. The poor mouse had been caught by a lion. <sighs> the mountain she had wandered into was not part of the landscape at all. It was the lion's mane. Who dares to wake me from my sleep? roared the lion. Ah, sorry, squeaked the mouse. I didn't mean to disturb you. I thought your mane was a mountain. A mountain, eh? growled the lion, almost deafening the little mouse. Are you suggesting that I am as old as the heels? You see, the lion was getting on in years, and he was very touchy about it. Only the night before, he'd been unable to catch a gazelle he was chasing. Ah, failure he was mightily glad that none of his friends had witnessed. I'm not suggesting anything, cried the mouse. I'm only a small, humble rodent. You are small, said the lion. But you'll do for breakfast. Don't, don't eat me, please, begged the mouse. I have eight children. If I don't return home, they'll starve to death. Why should I care about your miserable little brood? Asked the lion. And he raised the, mouth to his, the mouse to his lips. His mouth looked like the jaws of death to her. The poor thing. Please, shrieked the mouse, kicking her little paws frantically against the lion's sharp, cheesy yellow teeth. Let me go. I'm no more to you than a crumb of bread is to a human. The lion ignored her cries. Now he could boast to his friends that he had gobbled up another animal in one mouthful. He just had to be careful not to mention that the animal was a harmless little mouse. If you let me go, squeaked the mouse as the lion's teeth grazed her tail, I will repay your kindness. What? roared the lion. What use could you possibly be to me? I, I have no idea, the mouse admitted, but my skills might come in handy for you one day. You, you never know. The lion burst out laughing. <laughs> you are the boldest creature I have ever met, he roared. Imagine thinking that a worthless rodent like you could help the king of the animals. So tickled was he by the ridiculousness of the suggestion that he opened his paw to let the mouse go. His victim disappeared in a flash. <sighs> that was a close call. The lion went back to sleep. When he woke up again, the sun was setting behind the distant mountains. The mighty beast yawned. His tummy was rumbling with hunger. How he wished he'd eaten that little mice after all. Even a crumb is better than nothing to someone who's starving. As he sat there, regretting his rash decision to let the mouse go, the lion heard something bleeding. It was a goat. A farmer had tied her to a tree and left her there. 
The poor creature had caught the smell of the lion on the wind and was terrified. Without a moment's hesitation, the lion ran through the long grass. His sharp claws are ready. But he never got to the goat. As he approached the tree, the ground seemed to open under his feet and he found himself falling into a steep-sided pit. He landed with a bump on hard, stony earth. The poor lion had been tricked. The goat was nothing but bait to lure him into a hunter's trap. The hunters, laughing and shaking their spears, peered over the edge of the pit. You'll make a fine pet for our king, they jeered. And when you die, your fur will turn into a cozy rug for his royal feet. They started pulling on ropes, which they'd hidden under a blanket of dead leaves. And the poor lion realized that the pit was lined with a net. The hunters drew it so tightly around him that he couldn't open his mouth wide enough to snap. Slowly, like sailors hoisting the mainstay, the hunters dragged him out of the pit. They tied him, still trapped in the net, to a stout pole that they carried on their shoulders. Then off they went, singing as they walked. The eagle soars, the tiger roars, the king of the beast is fallen. The panther prowls, the hyena howls, the king of the beast is fallen. <sighs> what a fool I've been, thought the lion to himself, swinging from the pole like a bunch of grapes. Why, oh, why didn't I look before I leaped? Toward morning, the hunter stopped for a rest. The lion was a heavy beast, and they were exhausted. One of the hunters lit a fire, and after eating some bread and meat, the men fell asleep. The lion tried to go to sleep too, but he couldn't. His mane was itching terribly. Something was scurrying around in his fur. The lion desperately wanted to scratch it, but he was unable to move a single claw. It must be fleas, he thought sadly. What a sorry end for the king of the beast. But the creatures scurrying around in the lion's mane were not fleas. They were somewhat bigger as they moved. They moved around with amazing speed. What's going on, wondered the lion. Then he heard a familiar voice. Remember me? It was the little mouse that he'd freed the day before. I heard the hunters. I heard them singing as they came past my pole, said the mouse, climbing out of the lion's mane onto his nose. And when I realized it was you they were singing about, I brought my children out to meet you. Are they running all over my mane? Asked the lion through clenched teeth. They're as impertinent as fleas. My children are always hungry, said the mouse. They nibble everything they find. Suddenly, the net fell from the lion's head, freeing his mouth. A few moments later, his front paws were free too. The lion shook himself and the rest of the bindings came apart. Little mice strands of rope struck between their teeth, tumbled out of his mane. See, laughed the mouse. They even nibble on rope. I keep telling them it's not good for them but they never listen. 
The lion stood up on his four legs. He's free at last. Thank you, little mouse, he purred. You saved me from a worse fate than death. It's my pleasure, said the mouse. After all, you spared my life. Her children gathered around her, their eyes catching the light of the rising sun. Goodbye, little mice, roared the lion. And he leaped away into the tall grass. His roar woke up the hunters who picked up their spears and began chasing him, leaving the rest of the food behind them. The mouse and her children had a wonderful feast of bread and meat. <laughs> they were excited. They'd never eaten so much in all their lives. And the mighty lion, the hunters didn't catch him. Legend has it that he never hurt another small creature again, not even a flea. And the moral to this story is, little friends make great friends. <laughs> All right, that is our last story of the night. And this is our first video that will be on Facebook and YouTube for you. So I really, really hope you enjoy it. And I need you to give me feedback. I need to know if my glasses have this glare on them sometimes in the light or if you are just fine. And so as we normally do, I wanna make sure we can hear our song for the end of our night. And of course, I have to get ready for bed and tie my hair up. All right. I really hope you enjoyed story time today. I enjoyed it because I have missed you all so, so much. I have my favorite blanket with me tonight and I am going to have it every time we read, hopefully. I'm trying to get... Friends, it's time to say goodnight. No one to put up a fight. Because your imagination's at its best when you rest. Alright. Just in case you are new to story time, the words of our song are Friends, it's time to say goodnight. No room to put up a fight because your imagination's at its best when you rest. And for those of you who are able to watch the video, today I have a new scarf for my hair at night. Can you tell me what's on there? Yep, if you said books, you are correct. I am going to wear this from now on for our story time. So let's do our song one more time. Friends, it's time to say goodnight. No room to put up a fight. Because your imagination's at its best when you rest. Good night, dear ones. I look forward to reading to you again. <laughs>